I want to talk to you for a little while on this subject, starting line. Everybody say starting line. Now, it's interesting to me, but some people, and I'm using this metaphorically, step up to the starting line but never start. They come to church and believe they've already arrived. But when the shot is fired or the horn is blown, they stand there in a confused state of mind, not knowing what to do. They believe there's a race. There's more to just believing. You can believe there's a race while you're sitting at home. You can believe there's a race by sitting in the grandstand eating your hot dog. But many people that only believe never understand how to get to the reward. They just don't run. They're at the starting line. They're ready to go. But when the fire is shot, they just stand there and everybody else around them saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. But they're satisfied with a complacent position of just simply standing still. There's a quote that goes like this. Understanding is the reward of faith. Now get this. Understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand that thou mayest believe, but believe that thou mayest understand. Believe that thou mayest understand. See, you can believe it's a race. But if you don't understand that there's a reward, you'll never run. You have to know that there are benefits living for God. Can I say it? Some of you are asking the question, why do I have to make so many sacrifices? Till it completely consumes your ability to understand the rewards. How foolish would it be for me to ask you, which would you rather have? A $10 bill or a $1,000 bill? And you say, I'd rather have the $10 bill. And I say to you, it's going to cost you a dollar. And you say, well, I don't want to make the sacrifice. See, there's many blessings, but many of us are not willing to invest and make sacrifice to get even the $10 blessing. We're still waiting at the starting line. See, Isaiah begins to break this down in Isaiah 43.10. He says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God. How many of you agree with that? Before me there was no other God. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. So he uses two words here. He says, believe me and understand that I am he. 
know and believe me and understand that I am he. So he uses two words. Believe and understand. I believe there's a race. But some of you don't even understand why you're on the starting line. I'm going to preach to you. I'm going to knock the devil around today. And as I've said before, someone said, man, pastor, you was preaching right at me. I said, no, 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 no. And they said, well, you were shooting right at me. I said, no, 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 I wasn't. You were just standing too close to the devil. If you move a little further away from the devil, you won't get shot at. Quit standing so close to the devil, and you might not get a little buckshot in you either. <laughs> See, I believe there's a race, but I need you to understand that I didn't just come to church to come to church. Some of you are just showing up. Oh, I'm preaching right now. Some of you are showing up, but you don't understand why you're here. There's a bigger picture here that you need to come to realize that God is wanting you to do something more than just show up on the line and believe there's a race, but you need to get involved uh, with what you can achieve so that you might obtain the reward. We worship. We worship. We worship the way we do, not just because we believe, but because we understand there is a reward. You got to get it. Someone asked me, why are you so emotional? Again, why is it this emotionalism that you're involved with? You got to understand that when I dance and when I shout, hallelujah, and when I clap my hands, God is not deaf. That I'm not doing those things for him. But it sure does me well when I get to the place where I understand something. And so when I run, I don't just sit there. I get moving and I run. And it's a hard run. It's a, it's a hard worship. It's a, it's a magnifying God in my flesh and say, God, I exalt you because you are worthy. And I'm going to lift up your holy name. And I know that there's a reward at the end of my worship. So when I raise my hands and when I dance with my feet and when I shout with my mouth. It's not just coming to church to stand on the line. No, I want to run. I want to run. I want to run. And so my worship is because I believe and I understand the reward. We go to church as much as we do. Some people only go on Sundays. We're, we're, we're becoming a one-church Sunday uh, society. Only on Sunday. I'd like to encourage some of you to start coming to church on Wednesday. Amen. And then after you start coming to church on Sunday, you might get a burden to go out and help our food drive. Some of you might get an, an encouraging word even on a Wednesday that might be bring you back. Oh, I'm 
Amen. We're, we're trying to get you off that starting line. We're trying to get you from just being satisfied with your complacent spirit and saying, I, I got to do more. I, I got to go somewhere. I can't just, I can't just live right here. I, my pastors, he's prodding me. He's pulling me. He's pushing me. Say, run, 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 run. And all you got to do is understand that there's something in it, not because the church, you don't run for your pastor. You don't run for the church. You don't just get excited because someone's up here singing song. You ought to run and you ought to get excited and you ought to get to a worse place of worship because what you know is at the end you ought to understand amen we don't just financially support the kingdom because we believe but we understand understand there's a reward you gotta run spiritually you gotta run hard Amen. I say this and I'm going to say it again. The world will kill themselves for the devil. They're so loyal to the world and the philosophies and ideologies of this world. They serve the enemy and the devil himself. I am completely and absolutely confused as to why we give less to God than what the world gives to their gods. Oh, I want to wake this church up. I think we ought to just stand to our feet for one moment and give the Lord a clap offering and a standing ovation of praise right now. Just come on, come on, give the Lord. Give the Lord. You may be seated. People can tell me about the natural wonders of the world. The Grand Canyon. The Great Barrier Reef. Natural wonders. Beautiful places. Mount Everest. The beautiful white-capped mountains. Have snow on them. Victoria Falls. But if I don't believe the great wonders even exist, if I don't believe that God even exists, I will never waste my time to go see them or I will never waste my time to go see Him. But if I believe, if I believe first, if I believe, then I'll be inclined to go. Why? Because I understand something that steps me beyond just believing. I understand that there is a reward that I might experience it for myself. So I have to get off the starting line to reap the beauty of those natural wonders just as I have to get off the starting line to reap the beauty of the wonders of God. Can I, can I break it down for you here today so you really understand what I'm saying? Okay. This is important you get this because we have been taught, a lot of us, wrong. And there's one scripture, I'll teach you this uh, so you understand, is because I've been to crusades I've been uh, in tent revivals. 
that this scripture has been used and been taken out of context. And that is in Acts 16.31. It says this, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. I used to go to these revivals where they would say, just believe. Do you believe? Yes, I believe. Who he really believes. Do you really believe? Oh, I believe. Okay, here's your card. You are now saved. That's foolishness. Because they're taking one scripture and not reading the rest. I have them tell me, you don't have to be baptized because it's not essential. All you have to do is believe. Well, pal, why don't you read the rest of the scripture? Because it says in the next one, in the 32nd verse, then they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and what? Baptized them. See, he's saying, I need you to get beyond just believing there's a race. I need you to get to be beyond just getting on the starting line. I need you to understand that when you believe is only the beginning of where you need to go in order to get your reward. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. Because we have been so conditioned that all we have to do is come to church and say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And he said, enough times some people think you got the Holy Ghost. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But that is not true. God is saying, I need more out of you than just you believing there's a race. I need you to show up on us. Oh, come on, somebody. I need to get you on the starting line because I want you to be included. You are the one that needs to run in this race. You're the one that needs to be the partnership with God that says, I'm going to partner with you because I know at the end of this race. It's not he who runs the fastest. It's not he who runs the swiftest. But it's he or she who says, I'm going to finish if it's the last thing I do. There may be devils come against me, but I'm going to finish this thing. There may be problems that come in my life, but I'm going to finish this thing. I might have situations in my marriage. I might have problems with my children, but I'm going to finish this thing. Oh, I got the devil on the run today because I got some people here that believe what I'm preaching that we're going to go and we're going to run and we're not going to quit until we get past the finish line. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said and they took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his house. I like that. Because, Daddy, you're not just running for yourself. If you want to see your house run, maybe this should be a good Father's Day message. But I don't think we need to wait on Father's Day for the fathers to get involved in the priesthood of their homes. 
I think it's time for us to wake up and realize that if I want my household to be saved, I want my children to see me pray. I want my children to see me come to church even when I'm not preaching. I didn't come in here just to listen to Brother Flores, and other, but the fact is he's probably one of the greatest speakers in the world. I didn't just come in here to listen to him preach. There's two things I come to listen for. Number one is to hear the word of God, but number two to be an example. Because even if it is Mario speaking a word to us, which this young man is an unbelievable speaker. And even though he might be speaking a word to us, some people say, well, it's only a child. Well, then you've lost it and don't understand that it's like childlike faith that we have to come before the Lord. So when we come, we're not just coming to hear a young man by the name of Mario, Reverend Mario or, or uh, Minister Mario or Evangelist Mario, whatever uh, he's called, or Pastor Mario. It's not why we come. Sometimes we come to support a word that's going to be an example to our household. I don't expect you to be the influence of my house. I don't expect you to be the one that teaches them to pray. I don't expect you to be the one that shows them what it is to live for God and how to return their tithe and be honest with the things of them and the values of the world. I don't expect you. I expect me as a father to make an, and create an example for my children so when I raise my hands, I'm not just doing it for you and I'm not doing it just for me. I'm doing it for my household. I worship. I worship. I worship because I understand the reward. I got to get off the starting line. I want to say something to all of our young people, especially our college students that are away from home and have made this church your home. You don't listen to your peers. You listen to your pastor and the word of God. Because if you're not careful, they will define who you should or should not be. But I'm going to tell you, God has a plan for you that's bigger than your friends and all the friends that are around you. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. So going back to that quote, understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore seek not to understand that thou mayest believe. But first believe that thou mayest understand. Believe that thou mayest understand the reward. The reason for your running is understanding. We don't just stay at believing. We don't just stay at understanding. We want to go all the way to our faith, which is the reward. Faith is doing it. Faith is living for God. Faith is changing your life. That's why Jesus says, and this is in his own words in John 8, 23. And if you have a red letter edition Bible, you will note that these are the words of Jesus. Because red means Jesus is speaking. And so he says, ye are from beneath and I am from above. Ye are of this world and I am not of this world. And I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. 
For if ye believe not, if ye believe not, if ye believe not, that's just the start, that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Jesus is saying right here, you will never understand who I am until you first believe. And believing is only the start. Because who knows the mind of God? None of us. He's from above and we're from beneath. If what you believe does not bring you to the understanding that he is God, he says, you shall die in your sins. Today, as your pastor, I'm commissioning you to get beyond the starting line. Quit hanging around the church. Get in the church. Quit just attending service. Be involved in the service. Quit just showing up but get involved to a point where everyone around you is influenced by your leadership. As a young couple, is absolutely, in my opinion, one of the greatest influences, not only in the church, but in my own personal life. It's a young couple. I don't mean to embarrass them, but it's Lupe and Nicole. Lupe, your pastor is so proud of you, man. I know he, he's, he's, he's squirming in his seat right now like, what do I say? What do I do? Uh, and, and I'm proud of you because you don't just talk it. You definitely have become a product of the very thing that you have had faith in and what you believe in. And you're doing something with it. And I guess... I'm commissioning this church to get off the starting line and do something. I say, well, Pastor, I'm not gifted in any areas that the church provides ministry for. Shame on you for even making that kind of a, a statement because you know how to worship. Can you not offer that? You know how to show up and be faithful. Can, do, can you not offer that? I guess the reason I'm concerned is a year after I was born, 1963, 1963, the year after I was born, 65% of Americans said they believed in the absolute truth of all words in the Bible. Within just 15 years, 1978, 15 years, the proportion of the population holding this belief had declined to 38%. The current figure is around 24% now. That represents a new low in a literal belief in the Bible. 24%. The same thing has happened in England. The proportion of people who believe in a personal God has declined to 36% in 1981. If the church is not representing Christ, 
who will. We're losing our young people at staggering numbers. We're losing our Pentecostal kids. Doesn't that concern you? I look around and I'm asking myself this question. Where is so-and-so and where are they at and where are these kids at? And I'm asking myself that question. What po could possibly be more important today? The Suns haven't played yet. So there's nothing else. Please understand that was a joke and some of you are still looking at me like, But where, where are they? What could possibly be more important than being in the house of God? Laundry? Cleaning the house? Eating breakfast? What could, I don't understand. I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around some of this because we are in trouble, church. Our world is in trouble. And if we're not careful, we'll slide to the ideology of the world and we'll start acting like them, looking like them, treating people like them. We got to get the importance of the house of God back into the next generation and quit trying to find reasons why we don't need to go to church and quit finding reasons why we shouldn't have to live for God. And then we wonder why our kids are out on the streets rioting and burning buildings. We wonder, why is this happening? I'll tell you why it's happening. We've lost God in our homes. We've lost God in our houses. We've lost the men of priesthood. We have lost the women of the extension of the Word of God that should be in our homes. Corey, you are not going to outdance your dad. You're not going to outworship me. Your worship may be singing, but my worship is preaching. But you're not going to outdo your dad. I want him to know right here and right now that I can worship with the best of you. I have two stints, and I'm probably about 25 to 30 years older than a lot of you that can't even keep up with my dance. Why do I do it? Because I understand the reward. Why do I do it? Because I know the next generation is the reward. I don't do it because I'm going to get a new house. I don't do it because I'm going to get a blessing. I do it because I know the next generation, the next generation needs my worship. They need my commitment. America and around the world, we're losing our faith in God. This is why your pastor preaches that Christ needs more exposure, not only in the church, but in our homes. We need to be praying in our homes. Come on, church. The first thing I would do is not pray for the sons. I know we have had people that have inboxed us saying we need to pray that God's anointing to be on the Phoenix Suns. I'm not kidding you. People are serious about that. 
And the people that are saying that don't even go to church or not go. I don't see them today. I know I'm going to get in trouble with that person probably if they're watching us live on stream, but I apologize, but I'm being absolutely sincere that I think we need to quit worrying about preaching for our team or praying for our team. And if you're going to pray for a team, pray that they be saved, but don't pray that they win. Because winning is not them getting the championship. Winning is because they understand the rewards of finishing the race with Christ. Have I been fired yet? I'm looking at these guys to make sure I haven't been fired. If you have a problem with me, you're all fired. <laughs> They're all looking at each other like, man, we hadn't even said a word. We're in trouble already. <laughs> As pastors preaching, Christ needs more exposure in our homes, in our churches, in our lifestyles. Very few are doing anything about it, but the church needs to do something about it. That's why I am called as a pastor not to stand up here and just preach what you want to hear and what you like. i got to preach what God puts on my heart. And as we are entering in the dark times that we are entering in, it's time for the church to wake up out of her sleep and slumber and realize and recognize if it's going to be done, it's going to be done through the body of Christ. You are called to do something about it. God is not in the menial opinions of others. I could preach on that for a while. I'd care less about your opinion. If you want to tell me how to be saved, don't interpret the Bible according to your own interpretation. If you're going to tell me how to be saved, keep it in context. Hmm. Keep it in context. What does that mean? That means don't take Scripture out of context and make it say whatever you want it to say. So when you say, all I have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you might want to quit taking it out of context, go two more Scriptures down and see what it's requiring. Be baptized. Be baptized. Don't just believe, but run. God is not moved on ordinary effort. Ordinary means it fits into your time frame and your schedule. Casual Christians, I hate to tell you this, but you will not be saved. I know you don't want to hear that, and, and, and some of you may never come back, and I hope you do because I'm going to give you more of this. God doesn't move on ordinary and even on casual Christians. God does not move on common. God does not move on normal. You got to run hard because there's no faith in casual Christians. He's looking for those who will believe beyond just the logic because logic says casual is okay. Logic says ordinary is okay. Logic says normal and common is okay. But we have got to rise above that and become more than just ordinary Christians.
You know why we cannot live for God based on the opinions of others? You want to know why? Come on up here, Mama. I'm going to use you as an example. Plus, she's just the right height. I can lean on her. See, I can't live for God based on my mother-in-law's opinion, even though this woman is close to perfect as you can get. Okay. You want to know why I can't? Because there's going to be days when she's down. And I cannot believe that God is less because of her being down than what he really is. So my view and my opinion of God cannot be, oh, she's an example. Oh, but that's not all God is, is the example through others and what you believe they are. Because if they fail, you will fail. So you need to straighten up. Oh, she's standing as straight as she said she can. Okay, go ahead. See, why am I saying that? Because I have a whole lot of people in this church that your pastors hurt you. Not me. I never hurt anybody. But you've gone to churches where pastors have failed you. You have this perception of you want what you think a pastor should be. You have this idea of what I should be. But the reality is when I fail you, if you're not careful, you'll believe it's God failing you. As much as I love my mother-in-law, whatever happens to her, I cannot lose my faith in God. This is why when a loved one passes away, we don't quit on God. Because if we believe that God is only wrapped up in the idea of a person, then when we lose that person, we lose our faith in God. I lost my dad in 2000, or 2020, and I lost my mom in 2021. I am having problems with it, to be honest with you. I'm struggling. Even as a pastor, the things that go through my mind. God spoke to me and said, Rob Bibb, you got to quit. Quit believing that your faith is connected. And what you believe is connected. And what you understand is connected only to the life of your mom and dad. I've never struggled with anything <clears throat> so hard in all my life. But my mom and dad was a great example to me. So when you look at me, you know what you see? Robert Joe Bibb. 
You know what my name is? Robert DeVell Bibb. You know who else you see in me? Levina Elaine Sellers. Why am I telling you this? Because my faith has not been wavered. My faith is still trusted in God. And I'm not going to question him. And the reason I'm not is because I understand. I understand. I understand the reward. Because in my children, I hope that when Raina gets up one day, she can say, you know who you see? You see Robert DeVale Bibb. I'm sorry, I'm taking so much time here today, but, but I want you to get what you're understanding. You've you, you got to do this for yourself, folks. You've got, you got to do this not because of others and, 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 and just believe because of the menial views of others that this is going to be done. This is not ordinary. This is not casual. This is not common. This is not normal. You've got to find this for yourself. I appreciate the accolades, and I appreciate your love for your pastor. And I, I really do believe that most of you do love me. Now, if you don't love me, then um, all I can do is pray for you and just stay out of my way. <laughs> Everybody loves me. But Ephesians 6, 13 and 14, Paul says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, when you done, have you, you've done everything you can, logic says you need to quit. Logic says I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm wore out. Your body says let's vacate. <laughs> But your mind says, I will continue to believe, and I'm going to continue to understand because I know the reward. Then he says in the 14th verse, stand, therefore, having your loins gird about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Truth is the word. Righteousness is performing the word through believing and understanding. Breastplate is right and just. I will not give up. I will not walk away. I will not turn my face away from God. I will make my stand. I will hold to my post. And it's not my belief and my understanding and my doing wrapped up in my mom and dad. It's wrapped up in my convictions and what I understand God to be. I'm just about ready to conclude. I've got a lot more notes. I didn't even finish my message last week. Here I'm telling you, I can't finish this one this week. Hebrews 11, 1 through 4. If someone just get on the piano for a little while, for about an hour and a half, and then we'll, we'll go, we'll go, we'll move on. Um, visitors, please don't leave. I was just joking. Hebrews 11, chapter 1 through 4 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders, uh, and by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, everybody say through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. 
talking about faith. The walls came down through faith. The harlot Rahab was spared because of faith. We understand the worlds were made and framed by faith. We also understand the story of Abel who gave an offering unto the Lord and God accepted it and rejected Cain's. Then he says in the sixth verse, but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe, must believe, must believe, must believe what? That he is. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And there, now he's showing us here, Paul is writing this saying, God must, uh, cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently. Half-heartedly, no. Casually, no. Those that run hard, run hard, run hard. So in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, 19th verse, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Boldness to enter in. Boldness. Boldness. That means that you've got to understand that there's something beyond the curtain of the holy place. I'm standing at the starting line. I believe there's going to be a race. But I understand there's something behind that curtain. While I'm standing here, I'm just waiting for that moment when I can start running. Because I want to get behind the curtain. Because I believe that it is He that is going to meet me behind that curtain. Then he says in the 20th verse, by a new and living way, which he hath uh, consecrated for us through the veil, through the veil, that is to say his flesh through his flesh, the veil, the place, the, the holiest of holy is the flesh of Jesus Christ on the cross. And once I enter in through that door and having an high priest, 21st verse, priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promise. And we go back to what Paul says in Ephesians 2.20, and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ. What are we built on? Jesus Christ. We're not built upon Pastor Rob Bibb. We're not built upon the POP agenda and, and all of uh, our, our uh, departments and all of the ideas that we have as far as reaching people. But we're built upon Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I don't ever want this church to get a place where we have a POP culture. But we have a Pentecostal promise. So I'll stand. Got to start. As they're getting ready. I preached my heart to you today. 
there are some of you that have drawn cold in your spirit. And I'm asking you. And I'm giving an invitation to you. That you would step out from where you are. Make a choice to come down here. The first place you're going to struggle with right now, right now, at this moment, is the starting line. You're standing on the starting line. And I'm just asking you to step away from the starting line and make your move to run your race. As they begin to sing, I'm going to invite you to step out right now and say, today is the day of a new start for me. I understand what that preacher is saying, that there's a promise, there's a reward that's coming my way as long as I run. Run the race. Be faithful. Run. My sin was great, true love was greater. 